available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Yes, and I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we form the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Can't believe the season is coming to an end real soon. This is crazy, Dave. What, when did this happen? How is the season almost over? It seems like it always flies by, and it must be because we're having so much fun here on the Podcast of Champions. We always have fun, and we want to have fun with all of you out there. Last week was a little different because uh, Dave was traveling. We tried to get to some questions. We didn't get to a lot, but we'll get to more this week and send them in for next week, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd rather call or text us, the number is 424 424- Five three two zero six seven eight. You can tweet us at Pac Twelve Podcast. The website Pac Twelve Podcast dot com. And please subscribe. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Megaphone, all those things. You can find us. iTunes, you know, all the not iTunes anymore. Uh, TuneIn Radio. Um, all those things are great places to to listen to podcasts. And we are on all of them. Please subscribe. Subscribe on all of them. Rate us on all of them. Give us five stars on all of them. That would be amazing. Don't you think? Give us five stars multiple times. Give us five stars even if you haven't listened to us. Even if you're not listening to us right now. Even if you don't know who we are. <laughs> give us five stars. We, we do try to introduce ourselves. Uh, you know, David does a great job covering the Bruins. I try to do my best covering the Trojans. And we formed this podcast five years ago or so. And it's been uh, rolling ever since. And... We got some uh, some notes to get to, Dave. I mean, uh, do you see the latest AP poll? Any thoughts? Oregon number six, Utah number seven. Um, I mean, it seems like it's pretty much the the chalk at this point that Oregon's going to be ahead of Utah, um, at least until one of the two teams loses. Um, so I'm fine with it. I mean, it seems to indicate that nobody really has any separation between these two, um, the AP poll or uh, the college football playoff. Both of them seem like they still have a pretty decent chance. Um, it would have probably been nice for Oregon if Auburn had been able to beat Georgia this past weekend. But then that sets up the other thing, which is, well, then does Auburn get a chance at the playoff? Um, so, yeah, they, they need something to break right in the SEC um, because there's certainly a scenario in play where Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game, and then what the hell do you do? Yeah. Um, so there's there's still a lot to hap- have happened, but... I'd have Utah ahead of Oregon, um, and I was saying that even before they, like, just smeared UCLA all over the... Like, just UCLA viscera was just all over the field after that game. Um, and I was saying that even before that game, that Utah, I thought, was the best team in the league, and they did nothing uh, to disprove that for me. They, they looked all right this weekend. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, we'll see. In, in the uh, 
Alabama injury. They, they're, they're cleaning. They're cleaning bits of UCLA out of their like <laughs> shoes. Like that's that's what they're doing right now. Which is funny because we've seen teams like kind of surge and then and dip back down. And UCLA was definitely surging, uh, but that surge did not. You know, it ran into a bigger surge. But we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but you know, for like Alabama, still you know potentially in play. With the, the Tua injury, um, you know, Baylor ends up losing. Minnesota ends up losing. You know, what does that mean in the, the Big 12 and the Big 10? There's still a lot of factors in play. Seems like the Pac-12 is positioned all right, but you just feel like even if Oregon or somebody sneaks up at that number four spot, the last, the last rankings, do they get bumped out because someone, the eye test was for Oklahoma or for Alabama or something like that? That's, I think, what you have to worry about if you're a Pac-12 fan. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, looking at it, um, I think we've kind of broken this down a few times, but Ohio State and Clemson, I think, are going to be in pretty much at this point. Um, I don't really see anybody in the Big Ten beating Ohio State unless Michigan comes out with a big one. Um, but even if Michigan knocks them off, I think Ohio State, they're they're in pretty good shape. Um, and Clemson, just the ACC is such awful trash that yeah. there's no way. And they're not going to leave an undefeated Clemson out. Um, it's it really comes down to the SEC for me. I think the the Pac-12 will probably win an argument with one loss Oklahoma with the one loss to Kansas State, um, but it's going to be tough when you're comparing them against uh, a couple of SEC teams. That if that triumvirate of or actually really it's just LSU and Bama because Georgia does have that South Carolina loss, but then if Georgia wins the SEC, they're in. Yeah. But if LSU's only loss is to Georgia, which won the SEC, then you're going to have to have LSU in then. And that's where it gets bad. Yeah. Um, well, Auburn they need, keeps losing they need too. something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. If Auburn loses to Alabama again, it's just like, okay, that's a four loss team that Oregon lost to. It's not, it's not, you know, a top 10 team anymore that that's, then it gets a little hairier also. Yep. Agreed. Um, let's uh, go over the Pac-12 players of the week. So I was a little shocked. I thought uh, Keaton Slovis would get this one again, going against that Cal defense. He threw for 406 yards and uh, four touchdowns, but it goes to Anthony Gordon. And, you know, he did throw for over 500 <laughs> yards um, in his game, although it wasn't a, as good of a team, but uh, five, five touchdowns and one pick. Uh, he's just putting up monster numbers, which is, you know, shocking, Dave, because that doesn't normally happen uh, at Washington State. Yeah, honestly, I thought uh, that that one, honestly, I'm not even kidding. I thought that was a little bit pedestrian, um, <laughs> given who they were going against. Uh, 520 yards on 60 attempts is not like blowing anyone away in the air raid. Yeah. Um, I would have. I think you could make an argument. It was Tyler Huntley. 18 attempts for 335 yards. Wow. Yeah. I guess a team, a defense that's been playing well. So yeah, yeah no, like my dude, my dude averaged 18 yards a, a throw. <laughs> like, what is that? No. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it was, uh, there were a lot of good performances this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Julian Blackman uh, for the safety for Utah had a pick six, I believe. And then also I think he forced a fumble that was also returned for a touchdown. So Kind of responsible for a couple of scores, if I'm not mistaken, Dave. You you watched that closer than I did. I did. And is that am I am I in error in those or is that? And he also had like twelve um, tackles too. Yeah, he was good. Um, he did a lot of nasty things to UCLA. Um, I think the 
only well, I mean, he he did have a pick, but it wasn't the a only, pick six. It wasn't pick six. Sorry, no. The only defense, the only defensive touchdown for Utah, I believe, was the fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah. But having watched that game twice, I still managed to wipe out most of it from my memory. <laughs> um, so take take all of that with a grain of salt. But I believe there was only one true defensive yeah, touchdown. My bad. So he, um, he had the interception, but there was a there was a fat man touch. There was a fat man interception at one point, which was that was cool. To nice. See. Um, yeah. So he he led the team. I think I believe twelve tackles at an interception, and then he forced a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. And then for special there teams, Brandon Ayuk uh, for Arizona State had uh, a punt return for a touchdown. He had some couple good kickoff returns. He had. 293 total yards because he also had well over 100 yards receiving. So he had a pretty pretty nice day uh, in the loss. Um, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Uh, for the linemen, basically what you do is every week just go down the line for Oregon and which just pick one. And this week it's Shane Lemieux, the uh, right guard for the Ducks. He apparently graded out the highest on pro football focus this week, but it's usually someone on the Oregon line. And this week it was uh, Shane. Um, and then Mika, is it Mika Tafua, the defensive lineman for yeah. Utah? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So he's the yeah. one that yeah. returned the, uh, that fumble for a touchdown with like 68 or 62 yards or something like that. So, uh, nice for him. I think he had five tackles as well. And then freshman of the week was uh, Drake London, USC's freshman. He had, uh, over a hundred yards for the first time. Tyler Vaughn's did uh, not play. Well, he played a couple snaps, but he was pre- basically out for this game. So, London came in and just looked as good as the other guys. So it's a true freshman receiver for USC that looks pretty darn good too. Cool. Great. Good yeah, stuff. Good stuff. Congrats all. The uh okay, so last update for the suicide pool. Uh thank you again, Matthew, for compiling everything all all year. We hope you can do it again next year and we'll be a little more organized with it. But it was great. Um, so Mark, our buddy Mark, uh Mark uh NC. He also, so he had uh, Washington State was the only team he had left. They, spoiler alert, beat Stanford. So he survived the whole season, 12 weeks, picking a winner in the Pac-12, picking a different um, team each week. So I got to give him a round of applause. Mark, wow. great job. That was, that was some loud applause. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, that's pretty cool, though. I, I'm glad he did it. Yeah, that's great. Um, nice. Congrats. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not a big awards guy. Like, uh, I, clearly, no. Like when they come out with the, here's the watch list, and there's like a hundred players on it. I'm like, I don't care. Um, no. Blitnikoff is a pretty good one. There's two Pac-12 teams: Michael Pittman uh, Jr. for USC and uh, Isaiah Hodgins for Oregon State are on the list. And there's only I think ten or twelve people left, so it's actually something. The semifinals are more real when it's like a list of a hundred. I don't really care, but um, do you, do you get it? You don't get into the awards very much. I don't care. I couldn't possibly care less. Yeah. Um, I actually went to sleep as you were talking about oh, it. Sorry about that. Um, the, no, no, no. It's fine. I, I could use a nap. You could, <laughs> well, nice. I like that. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't like those. I hate bowl projections too. Are you, do you like those? I can, I, I can, I can mess around with a bull projection or two. I, I just basically the bull projections can be like a fun thing to read on a Sunday morning. Like it's on my like roundup of things I'll read after all the games on Saturday. Okay, um, but the the awards, I, I don't care who wins the awards, let alone who's like a semifinalist for them. Yeah, because um, most of them are just voted on by like media stupid heads who are just counting numbers anyway. Yeah. 
And then our buddy John Wilner pointed out that the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors are holding their annual November meeting in San Francisco. Um, so John was kind of speculating that, you know, we haven't, it's been 10 months. We haven't had any kind of, um, breakthroughs on the equity partner that this might just be the meeting where they're like, okay, we're moving on. That's not happening. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but they're, uh, obviously the media rights come back up in, uh, 2024. My guess is Dave, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything with the equity partner. Do you, any different thoughts? No, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I just don't think that's going to happen. All right, um, picks, and then we'll get into recapping the games. Neither of us did great. Uh, I was two and three. You were one and four. Um, no last minute switches or anything. This game, we did, we picked three games differently, and uh, I got two of those right, and then you got one of them right, and then the two we picked the same, we both got wrong. So, um, but. I got to tell you guys about my bookie. You know, maybe you don't listen to our picks, but listen to my book. You know, go to my bookie, do what you think is best. If you pick opposite of us, we are now both under 500 again, uh, which isn't great. But, you know, even we, Dave, you and I could win our bet for Thanksgiving. And this is the NFL, it's not college, but my bookie's doing this really crazy deal up to 250 bucks. You bet the Bears Lions game on Thanksgiving. So if you win, Boom, extra holiday spending money. You can go shopping, buy your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, your friend, something cool with the 250 bucks. But if you lose, you get your money back. So it's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's all gravy. There's absolutely no risk. So it's great if you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. No better way than to get in here and take that bet where you cannot lose. It's awesome. And they also have... The promo where your first deposit, whatever you deposit into my bookie, if you use the promo code PAC12, my bookie's going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. So it's like doubling your money. That's a great jump start to your bankroll. And that's on top of the already risk free bet there. So, really a good way. And, you know, if you're smart with money, you like the economics, there's a really good way to get in there. If you like betting on games, do the opposite of what we do. Whatever you want to do, have fun. Email us and tell us, like, hey, I picked opposite of you guys and you guys made me money. That would make us laugh. That would make us, we would be very happy if that was happened. So there's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by because you simply cannot lose. So make sure you do your part to support your team this season. There's only a couple of games left. Hop on the gravy train. Go bet on my bookie. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Beautiful read, Ryan. Thanks, man. A little more from the hip. I like it. You know, it's- Th- that was incredible. It was it was smooth. You got all the key information out. I was impressed. That, well, you know, we got to do that one because that one we can't lose, and we we've, we've been losing lately. So I'm uh, three behind you now. You're 35, 37, and one. I'm three, three, three with an asterisk. Uh, no, three with the. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. Th- you're three behind with an asterisk. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and here, just hang on. Just this, gonna, for the first time, yeah. Dave's going to actually touch the Google Doc. Just the, <laughs> <laughs> This is a great way to get Dave to do some work. I, I see this. I should have figured this out years ago. Uh, this is awesome. All right. Well, we got to go through the games and we got to go through our new rankings. So this is what we call our Pac-12 Roundup. Yes. Um it's been weird when we've gone over these games, Dave, because 
it's such a mess with the power rankings, but we've always had, it's been like this, you know, six versus seven, eight versus nine, like the teams right next to each other would play and then no one really moved that much. Um, this is one of those examples where that wasn't the case. These were the teams at the polar opposites of the rankings and they're spoiler alert, still there. We had Arizona Wildcats taking on the road, taking on Oregon Ducks. So that's our number 12 and our number one team. Yeah, and it, it was about as hideous a uh, game as that matchup would indicate. Uh, Oregon won 34-6, um, and it was pretty much, I mean, even both halves. I mean, Oregon went 21-6 to in the first half and then 13 nothing in the second half. It wasn't like they just kind of piled on a huge explosion at one point. It was just kind of steady, just beating the piss out of them the entire game. Um, yeah, I mean, defensively, they were they were super sharp. Um Neither our our boy Grant Gunnell or Khalil Tate were able to do much of anything, um, and Arizona running the ball was just not effective. Um, and they, you know, they really couldn't run the ball too much after about halftime when they were down twenty one to six. And Oregon offensively was great. Um, you know, Justin Herbert I thought was really good um, running the ball. They were, you know, doing their consistent. Very efficient running, not necessarily explosive running, but um, it seemed to work out pretty well for him. Uh, Herbert took a few sacks, um, so that kind of knocked the rushing total a little bit. But for the most part, this was a dominant win for Oregon. Um, And I I thought just kind of workmanlike. And Arizona is... You know they're 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 pretty much dead in the water at this point. Yeah, this was a twenty-seven and a half point spread. Oregon wins by twenty-eight, missing a late PAT. Um, now, to be fair, you got this one right, and I got it wrong. I got right? this one right. To be fair, watching the game, do you think Oregon should have won by more than twenty-eight? Like it just seemed like they should have. They should have. I mean, they should have smoked them off the field. Yeah. Like they're so. I mean, just look at what happened. They had a, a missed field goal in the first half. That was a. Uh, yeah, it was a twenty-yard field goal by our man Cam Lewis, Camden Lewis, and then there was a pick. I want to say on the Arizona twenty-nine. So you're wiping. I mean, what? At least six points off the board there, um, but could have been another touchdown on that pick. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they they should have won this by 31. Yeah, I mean, at least two plays into the game, they already had more points than Arizona would have the rest of the way. Uh, they scored on the second play of the game. But yeah, it just felt like they were kind of leaving points on the table. And, uh, you know, I, but they got off to a good start. You know, Penny Sewell, I think he had to miss the first couple of drives because he missed a meeting or something. Um, yep. But, you know, like I said, they scored right away. Uh, Grant Gunnell got the start. Um and it was like 14 nothing Oregon. Oh, and then, oh, yeah. So I think Oregon's up 14 nothing, and they got stoned at the goal line, which was weird. And then they missed the chip, you know, they missed the chip shot field goal. And you're like, what's going on? Uh, but they did uh, that flea flicker kind of reverse flea flicker thing was pretty nice. Uh, they were up 21 nothing at the time, but they just never could like pull away. But the defense, you know, they bent a little bit, but it was the fifth time this year Oregon hasn't given up a touchdown. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it was a good win, but it just felt like oh, on another day, Oregon would have won uh, 54 to six. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just, whatever reason, they just didn't like pull away. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's happened to Oregon a little bit this year. They've had some dominant wins that don't necessarily look dominant in the final score. Um, and then they've had some where they've just run away from a team. But this was one where it was kind of in the middle. You know, I mean, they still blew them out. It's a four touchdown win, but it definitely could have been worse. Yeah. All right. Um, our number uh, 11 team is Colorado Buffalo. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. How is Stanford not here? How is Stanford not here? How is Stanford not 11? Uh, I mean, maybe because Colorado was on a bye. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Whatever. I, I mean, I, I I think I voted. Okay, so, yeah. So, we'll, I'll tell you. So, our number 10 team uh, is uh, the aforementioned Stanford Cardinal. And uh, they took on our number seven team. Washington State Cougars. But who, before we get into it, Dave, would you, you think Stanford's 11 over Colorado? You think? Yeah, I I think there's an argument Stanford's the worst team in the league this year. I I know I keep saying that, but I think there's a a strong argument for it. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, Colorado, they just beat them. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's all whatever. It doesn't really matter after a certain point, but. Yeah, I'd have Stanford 11. Yeah, Colorado did just beat them before. So, yeah, I don't know. And they did not look yeah. good in this game. No, they looked like garbage. <laughs> like like <laughs> trash. Even your boy. Everyone. Like, no, I mean, Davis Mills was fine. He threw a couple of picks late, but he was fine. Well, he did have no, 509 David yards. Shaw, <laughs> the, the, other, the, the other David type person, uh, he, he lost this one for them in the first half, I think. But we'll get into it in just a second. Who were they playing? Oh, no, I already said. So the, it was the number seven. Oh, did I give? Okay, I'll give them a good one. I, I think I gave the wrong one. Number seven. Washington State Cougars. Yeah, that's better. That's better. There you go. There you go. Um, okay, so this one, uh, Washington State won 49-22. But if you look at the like raw stats for the game, it should have been much more even. The reasons it were wasn't was the reasons it wasn't. The reason it wasn't um, was primarily uh, two things. One, in the first half, David Shaw elected to punt from the uh, Washington State 34, and then on the next drive, the Washington State 44, um, after decent drives for Stanford on both of those. Um, If he understood the type of game he was in, which is you're not going to stop Washington State, you're just not going to do it, uh, he would have gone for each of those. If he was a different human being, perhaps he would have gone for each of those. He's not, and so he gave up to um, he, he basically decided to turn the ball over with his punter twice um, and give up possession, which is you know something that you should treasure in football, uh, twice from the opposing team's uh, side of the field, uh, which was very, very stupid and bad. And then uh, Washington State went up 19 nothing after the, 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 the second one of those punts. Um, and then Stanford uh, finished off the game with a couple of picks after nice long drives. Um, Davis Mills threw a couple. Uh, but in the raw totals, they actually moved the ball really, really well. Um, it was only through the limitations of coaching and a rusty quarterback that they scored 22 points. Um, this was, I, I thought, a complete coaching failure. Uh, Washington State was really good. I really liked the way Max Borgie was running the ball in this one. Um, I don't think that Stanford defense is very good, but um, Borgie looked really good. Anthony Gordon looked really good. 
Um, and they were just kind of getting whatever they wanted to. It looked more like the Washington State we saw at the beginning of the year where that offense looked like peak air raid. This was kind of back to that form. Um, Aesop Winston had a really nice game. Um, Arcanado had a really nice game. Um, but Stanford, I mean, they threw the ball for over five, 500 yards. Uh, couldn't run the ball at all against Washington State, um, which is – that's eye-opening. Yeah. Um, I think they but had they, seven they, rushes or something. Was it something crazy like that? Like, they didn't run the ball like at I all. think they had eight – I think they had eight total true rushes. Wow. Um, and one of those was by a wide receiver. Um, <laughs> he was actually their leading rusher, Osiris St. Brown. One carry for eight yards. Uh, Cameron Scarlett, their starter, had four carries for three yards, and uh, Austin Jones had two for seven. Um, yeah, they weren't they they couldn't run the ball at all, and they didn't even attempt to after a little while. Um, this was the Davis Mills show with fifty pass attempts for five hundred and four yards, which is that's good. I mean, that's ten yards an attempt. Um, but just I, I thought real coaching failures in the first half, um, and. Uh, I, I want. There was some weirdness at the end of the first half too, with the clock management by Shaw. Um, they didn't call a couple of timeouts when they could have, um, which gave them just like twenty five seconds, I think, at the end. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I thought a miserably coached half, and that put them in a bad spot where they could have been in an even game at halftime, or if not ahead. Um, and then they were pressing late to get back into it. So Mills threw a couple of picks. Yeah, this was a ten and a half point spread. Another one we got differently. We, I had this one right, uh, taking Washington State. But yeah, over a thousand passing yards. Um, Anthony Gordon gets the uh, Pac-12 Player of the Week with his five TDs, uh, five hundred twenty yards, one pick. Um, so he leads the nation in passing. Uh, Brandon Arcanado, uh, he had uh, his sixth one hundred yard game this season, and Max Borgie had his fourth hundred yard rushing game. So Washington State ran the ball a lot better than. Uh, Stanford did and still threw for all those yards. Um, and it's funny, afterwards, Borgie took the podium and guaranteed a win over Oregon State so they would be uh, bowl eligible. But this is good. You know, get the second Pac-12 win. Um, I feel like this was a, a Washington State team that just seems to be – they should be better than what their record is right now. Um, I think they're playing at a higher level than what their record is. Um, so we'll see kind of where they go from here that, you know, the apple cup is certainly winnable. Um, and you know, obviously playing Oregon state, we'll see how that goes, but it was a school record, uh, five, 509 passing yards, I believe for Davis mills, um, five, four, five, four, five, four. Okay. And then, uh, and the Cardinals still, I mean, injuries have been a big part of this season. No Paulson Adebo. Um, so, and one of their other defensive back starters was out as well. So, Having a couple of DBs out against Washington State's never a never a good thing. Um, but this is a, it's a pretty miserable season uh, for Stanford. Trying to get bull eligible, you got to beat Cal, who that's certainly a winnable game. But you know, Notre Dame at home at the, to end the the season. I, I don't know. I, it, it, to me, Dave, it doesn't look like Stanford's going bowling this year. No, I I, I would I would bet hard against that. Yeah. Um, but all right. Any other notes on that one? Should we move on? No, no, no. Let's please move on. Yeah. That's, that was, that was, uh, ugly, but thanks. Thanks, uh, Cougs for, for bringing home the victory for me. All right. Uh, next up we have our number nine team, California Golden Bears. And, uh, they, you know, they were offensively, they, res- they was a resurgence the week before against Washington state. 
they were hosting our number three team, USC Trojans. Yeah, um, this is one we both got wrong. We both picked Cal uh, getting six points, and uh, we yeah, were way wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, Cal had the life crushed out of it, uh, especially in the second half. Um, USC, you know, kind of in that. You know, you you can't really know when USC is just going to let its talent show, but it happens basically, I don't know, two out of every three games. And then the third game, it's like um, it's like everybody on the team just met and like they've (laughs) never played together before. Um, But this was one of those games where their talent showed uh, just blew the pants off of Cal. Um, Chase Garbers was back and then he wasn't. Um, went down with an injury in the first half, exited the game. Devon Monster comes in. He did not look good um, through a couple of picks. Uh, wasn't able to generate anything throwing the ball. Um, Cal's offensive line had a really tough time uh, handling USC. Um, so it was, I mean, it was a really, really rough performance offensively for Cal. Um, running the ball, I mean, they got, they had that Collins kid who actually ran the ball pretty well. Um, yeah. But it was uh, it was still not a not a very good performance, and then on USC side, I mean, Keaton Slovis was great. Uh, Michael Pittman was maybe at like peak Pittman, um, where he was kind of against Utah. He was sort of like that in this game, like just uh, so dominant, and nobody from Cal could really cover him particularly well. Um, but it was, I mean, it, you know, Drake London, as you talked about earlier, he was really good. Um, but yeah, this was just a dominant performance for USC. Keaton Slovis had. This is probably his best game of the year. There have been a couple, but I think yeah. this was probably given the quality of the defense he was going against, probably his best game of the year. Um, but USC, it's it's what I've been saying for a little while. We just have to get comfortable with the idea that they're not great and they're not playing up to their talent, but they are a good team. They're just not great. Um, they're solidly above average to good. And yeah, every third game, they'll look pretty awful. But those two other games, they're going to look pretty damn good. Yeah, Slovis, uh, for the third time in his career, he's a true freshman, over 400 yards. Sam Darnold only did that once at USC, and that was in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Um, you would see him get out of the pocket and just sort of find guys downfield. He had you know a play to Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman, and Drake London that each went at least 45 yards. Um, he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field, and his receivers go out and make – kind of crazy catches and I felt like Cal did some similar stuff I think there was way too much one-on-one coverage against the wide receivers like that's USC's strength and I feel like Cal's strength is a lot of it is in the secondary certainly on the defensive side of the ball and you know I, I think you have to do what other teams have done and drop into a zone and try to make Slovis not see someone covering underneath and but when you leave these guys one-on-one couple of times you saw Cal defenders just fall down in the end zone on two two of the touchdowns um you know they they bit on a move or whatever they fall down and then the the USC receivers just stand there wide open that's USC's strength like you can't just let you can't say that's our strength we're gonna go against it I think you have to bracket them you have to do whatever you can to try to limit the the receiver production because when they get that going they can really get on a roll and 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 Slovis was really poised he got sacked a few times but didn't turn the ball over, looked really poised out there. Um, it's a second week in a row. Cal's given up a 400-yard passing game. But, you know, they did it the previous week against uh, Washington State and only gave up 20 points. In this one, 
they gave up 41, and uh, it's the most points that Cal had, had uh, allowed since Oregon beat them last September. So they got 42 in that game. So it's a it was a pretty big deal. I mean, that's you know what Cal does well is on defense, and the offense looked great. They they scored you know, the opening touchdown for Cal. Um, but then when Chase Garbers goes down early in the second quarter, and then in the first quarter when Christian Rector got ejected for targeting, he he uh, just completely hit. Um, uh, was it uh, Brown uh, Brown Jr. is uh, Christian Brown, who was running the ball really well, and then he was out the rest of the game too. So starting running back who looked good was out. Starting quarterback uh, Chase Garbers looked good was out. And after that, I felt bad for Devin Monster because the previous week. He looked like a different guy, but I guess he found out on Wednesday that he wasn't going to start. And to me, it just he came when he was th- thrust into action. He didn't think he was going to play, and uh, it, he just didn't look the same. You know, with, you watch him play against Washington State. I know the defenses aren't the same level, but he just looked so much more comfortable throwing the ball down the field. He was just not very accurate at all. And uh, I, you know, if they just started him from the beginning, I, I bet you he would have played better. But with Garbers healthy, you had to go with him. You just didn't know he was going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't monster like or maybe that was the anomaly the the week he had. Um, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, he looks so bad, and you've got to prepare as if you're going to play at some point. So I, I think he was probably just going to look bad, and it had more to do with Washington State's defense than anything. Yeah. All right. Okay. So next up. Um, yeah, that's so USC is now up to number three in the conference. And, uh, next up we have our number eight team, Arizona state sun devils (laughs) and kind of a ho-hum, nothing really exciting happened game, uh, up in Corvallis (laughs) taking on number five, Oregon state beavers. Yeah, this game was fun as hell. Um, so <laughs> Oregon State ended up winning 35-34 after a controversial decision uh, by Herm Edwards to go for two after ASU scored its final touchdown. Uh, it was about, what was it, about a minute and minute, a half to go at that 40. point? Minute 40, I think. Yeah, yeah, minute 40 to go. He goes for it. His His logic at the end was that if they don't go for it, Oregon State would be able to drive down and kick a game-winning field goal. But now, correct my math, but even if they go for two and they go up by a point, can't Oregon State still just drive down the field and kick a field goal to win it? I think if they go for four, then you could only tie it. (laughs) So you back Um, up four more yards and you get a point each yard. Is that how that – I don't know the rules specifically. Must be. I assume that's what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't fault him for going for it. Um, I think it's fine. I think the logic behind it. Well, it's whatever. <laughs> I, I think the logic behind it is fine. Um, you don't want to have a, a whatever. You don't want to play an overtime game against the home team in front of a raucous crowd. Fine, whatever. Um, but the the rationale afterwards was certainly interesting. Um, but it was it, that that kind of overshadows what was a really really fun game to watch. Um, it was back and forth the entire way through. Uh, Jaden Daniels was back for this one. I thought he looked really good. Um, didn't look too rusty at all. Took a few sacks, uh, but that's sort of the mo for this Oregon State defense. They're gonna they're gonna deal out a few sacks. Um, so I, I I just thought it was a really really fun game to watch. Jake Luton was really sharp on his end. Um, it was you know Isaiah Hodgins on one side, Brandon Ayuk on the other. I mean there was there was a lot of fun play in this one. Um, 
And it really just, I mean, it came down to that final possession because it was so evenly matched between these two. And it's what we were saying in the pregame, and it's not as if Vegas's line was that wrong, but it had ASU by two and a half on the road. And we were thinking, well, I was thinking, this is a pick 'em, um, and this is this this game was a pick 'em. Um, couldn't couldn't get closer than this because um, it it very well could have gone to overtime if uh, Herm had played his. Here's the thing with Herm. Look, he's not playing his NFL percentages. That was the one thing we were thinking he was going to be doing, like yeah. the the really conservative decision making. That was not a conservative decision. Not at I, all. Whatever you want to say about it, it was not conservative. So I'm. I'm fine giving him some props for trying it. Um, it didn't work out, but um, yeah, this 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 could have very well gone to overtime, and it could have been one of those classic like you know sixty three sixty two games in overtime. Um, but alas, we were left with thirty five thirty four Oregon State. It was good to see the Beavers have some fight at home, which we haven't seen. This is their first conference win at home since the Civil War in two thousand sixteen. So that's a uh, it's been a while since they won a conference game at home, but early on it was like I think Oregon State scored once for, once or twice first. It was like fourteen nothing or something, whatever. But Oregon State was the punch; like they were the ones attacking first and sort of kind of making Arizona State play catch up all the time. And Arizona State kept it close. They had that you know punt return for a touchdown, um, but Oregon State just looked feistier than I've seen them like at playing at home this year. We thought that's how they would come out and play a lot of these games and they just haven't for whatever reason. Um, you feel bad for ASU. Uh, our buddy, Chris Cartman talked about, if you look at some of the analytics modeling where they're standing in the pac 12 right now, uh, you know, as a five and five team, two and five in conference, they should have a better record than that. And, you know, we saw Herm Edwards win a lot of those close games before, um, you know, they lost, you know, this week, but you know, this by one and the previous week, uh, by five. And so there's, you know, some of those within a touchdown games were always going ASU's way. The last couple of weeks, they haven't gone that way. So sometimes you can, you know, it's sort of a live by the sword, die by the sword, uh, situation, but this was you know, another one that Dave and I picked differently. And, you know, to be fair, Oregon state was covering the whole time. It wasn't like ASU blew a lead, but you saw the way it was going to set up where, Oh, you know, ASU can score. They got a better field goal kicker. I mean, I just felt like ASU would have the advantage in overtime. And for all intents and purposes, they should have kicked the extra point and gone overtime. And I think you got a pretty good shot. Whoever wins the game then wins the, you know, call the right score. But to lose it that way by by going for two. So even if you, you know, even if they got it, it wouldn't matter. It was like, ugh, that was just demoralizing watching that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably a I I, I like the aggression with a minute 40 to go. I don't know. I mean, I think it was probably also he's trusting that the defense is going to get a stop there. So if they win it on offense, then it's done uh, because the defense had played really well in the second half. Um, I don't know. I could talk myself into the decision um, and certainly it worked out for me. So I'm, I'm pretty right. pleased with it. I think the one thing though, is if you kick the extra point and you kick off and Oregon state has a minute and a half left, are they going to take any risks to try to get into field goal range? Like they'll try some stuff, but uh, it's third and 10. They might, you know, run it up the middle and stop where you go for two and get it. They're got to score. Like they're, they're coming at you. So you get that sack or something and it's, you know, third and 13 instead of Oregon state giving up, they got to go for it. They got two downs to make those 13 yards, you know? Um, so I feel like you 
give the other team a sense of urgency and put your defense at a disadvantage by doing that. Now, if there was if there was no time left and you just want to win the game, I, that would make a little. It does still doesn't make sense to me. It would make a little, little more sense, but giving the other team a minute and a half and the you know the the worst case scenario is you lose because you don't get it. The best case scenario is you give the other team that has a really good offense the ball with motivation. So to me, that made no sense. Yeah, but in the second half, I mean, look at what Oregon State was actually able to do in the second half. The one touchdown they scored was on a short field after a fumble. But, I mean, in total, they had, I think, 96 second-half yards. Um, ASU's defense really did shut down that offense in the second half. Um, so, I, I I don't know. I, I could see it either way. It's always iffy on those, on those 50-50 things with um, going for two. But I, I support it. I support my man, Herm. All right. And I support uh, my my pick here. I was always my, uh, my 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 one correct pick this week was lonely, um, but it was there, and I'm happy for it. Um, so here's, <laughs> uh, I I've I've you know I've been in the Herm camp. I was like, hey, he's doing a good job. That he went for two. Now I got to be off. I'm off the Herm bandwagon now. Herm, you cost me the game, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna back away for a while until you kind of do some some good things. In the next couple of weeks, we'll see what ASU is able to do. Um, coming up next uh, should be a pretty easy home game against Oregon, I would assume, right? Is Oregon that good? And then, yeah, uh, I mean they've already they've already dealt with the tougher Oregon, right? Right, Oregon State, that Oregon, and that so it's a hoop, two home games, but it's Oregon and Arizona can become bowl eligible by splitting. So um, going to need to do that. Okay, uh, so we already talked about Washington State number seven. Uh, our number six team, UCLA Bruins. And uh, they went on the road. Apparently, this is not an easy place to play. Uh, number two team, Utah Utes. Yeah, just, I mean, entrails just all over that field. Like, just like blood and gore. Um, we couldn't believe this was 21 and a half. We're like, there's no way we cannot not pick. There's no way it's only a 21 point game. And you want to know why? Because it was a forty-six point game, <laughs> oh, uh, Utah Utah won forty-nine to three. This is up there in the annals of uh, UCLA traveling to Utah for an absolute beating uh, history, along with uh, BYU fifty-nine nothing and Utah uh, back when they were a Mountain West team. I think forty-four uh, ten. This is right up there with those because um, those were like different era too. Like this is an era of kind of high flying offense and everything. Yeah, no, this is. Who boy. Um, I'll, I'll say this. You ready for it? Yep. The game was a little bit closer than the final score indicates. Wow. Okay. That's a positive spin. It, was, it, it felt more like a 35-point loss. Not not 46. Okay. Um, yeah. No, so it was actually respectable. Um, so early on, uh, UCLA actually moved the ball pretty well between the 20s uh they just couldn't do anything within the red zone um on their first opening drive they had the ball down at the utah three and then uh dorian thompson robinson took two quick sacks uh to set ucla up for a 43 yard field goal which jj molson made then on the next drive ucla got it to the utah 35 um and dorian thompson robinson was intercepted in the end zone by julian blackman where Devin Asiasi made a pretty poor play on what was a 50-50 ball. If you're looking for a difference between UCLA and USC against Utah, look at that matchup. Um, that's a, that's a, that is a ball that Michael Pittman comes down with 99% of the time, and Devin Asiasi, I don't even, I don't even think he touched the ball. 
Um, then on the play after that, on the drive after that, UCLA had just gotten the ball back on a fumble uh, from the Utah 24. Well, first they had a third and one at the Utah 19. They false started, and then it was uh, fourth and six at the Utah 24, missed a field goal. So that's three drives right at the start of the game where they had the ball at least to the Utah 35, and they got three total points from it. Then on the next drive, uh, they got the ball down to the Utah 12, uh, had a third and 10. I mean, first they had a first and 10 at at Utah 12, uh, but then they had a third and 10 at the Utah 12. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson decides that the best way to deal with double A gap pressure is to run straight backwards and then toss the ball sort of um, in a fumbling manner. Uh, which was then returned for a touchdown. So that's four straight drives, all of which made it within the Utah 35, and they managed three points. Wow. Yeah. You know how you you know how you beat Utah? <laughs> Not Do too. like the exact opposite <laughs> of that. Um so anyway, uh that was pretty much it at that point. Um it, you know, there's there's definitely a scenario where UCLA doesn't just suffer like clown shoes errors um, inside the Utah 35, um, where this game, you know, where the two teams maintain contact for a little bit longer. But all of the offensive miscues kind of um, disguise the fact that UCLA's defense just did not in any way come to play in this one. Utah's really, really good. Um, and they were able to move the ball just at will um, pretty much throughout the game. Um Tyler Huntley was, as I talked about up top, he was really good. He only threw the ball 18 times, but it was for a ton of yards. Um, and then Zach Moss was just, you know, he he was Zach Moss. Um, Utah only finished with, I think, 57 plays, um, but got well over uh, 530 yards on those 57 plays. So they were really explosive. Um, and UCLA's secondary was bad. Uh, Stephen Blaylock got picked on a ton by uh by Utah um the matchup between Utah's tight end Kuthi I think his name is and uh Blaylock was just I mean that was that was done from the snap um and UCLA I mean just defensively it was everything that they were doing in the previous games they just were not able to do in this one they played some of their bigger lineups which I think was maybe a mistake um you know they've been having a lot of success when they play their smaller quicker defensive linemen but I think the matchup dictated they wanted to play some bigger dudes I don't know um, but they were uh, on their heels a ton, and Utah just took it to them. Um, it was a really commanding performance for Utah. I came away with the impression that UCLA played one of its worst games, but Utah is very good. And even if Utah, even if UCLA had come in and played as well as it played against, say, ASU or Colorado, they would have lost this one by minimum uh, 17 points. Wow. Well, five turnovers, it doesn't help. Uh, I think 21 defensive points, you know, responsible for 21 points uh, for the Utes defense. Um, 536 total yards for Utah, 269 for UCLA. So you're talking 9.4 yards a play on one side and uh, 3.7 yards per play for UCLA. So not a... Hey, but you know where UCLA won? Where? You want to know? Time of possession, baby. Oh. Imagine winning time of possession in a game where you lost 49 to 3. That's crazy. Yeah. No, and the, the really wild part was um, when UCLA was down, I think it was like 35 to 3 in the third quarter. Like Chip Kelly goes into full game shortening mode. Like he starts doing the like sideline check thing, literally just to run clock and then run inside zone into the teeth of the Utah defense. Like he was just like, no, let's get out of here. Let's 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 just be done with this football game. 
and this is a UCLA team that came back from, I mean, whatever it was, 49-17 down with like a few minutes to go in the third quarter. And they were in like full surrender mode uh, wow. midway through the third in this one. So I thought that was that was interesting. Um, and I think a, definitely a testament to Utah and uh, just how, how UCLA clearly had, thought it had no chance after a little while. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. Utah's rolling. So uh, good for them. Oregon and Utah still look really good. Uh, so that was our 6-2 matchup. We already talked about number five, Oregon State. Uh, our number four team, Washington Huskies. <laughs> they were on a bye, so no game there. And then we already talked about three USC, two Utah, and one Oregon. Woo! Yeah, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, preview week 13 back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know what that music sounds like? What does it sound like, Dave? Like a, I'm thinking like a, you probably have a good feel for this. Like mid-90s, like local car dealership has a great sale on a certain vehicle. Commercial. Uh, yeah. That's our, Doesn't that sound? It sounds kind of like that, the right? A little bump heading into the the commercial. Yeah, we. Uh, so I have to yeah. come up with something. I mean, because no, it's beautiful. I love it. Dave doesn't come up with anything, so I I have to do those things. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I could change it if you don't like it. No, no, I'm I'm saying I enjoy it. And you got to use music that I know. It's my, my tone of voice. It's always it's always <laughs> you, you're always thinking it's insincere. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's a callback. Oh, oh thanks. Um, yeah. So just you know how the sausage is made yeah you know, we can't just play regular music so there's you know uh royalty free music that you're allowed to use and sample and stuff so usually for little bumps in and out of breaks or whatever you can use things like that but uh like yeah if we used something that was a commercial you know success then they get you know, you get like copyright things people get mad at you we don't like that stuff um yeah. well week 13 Guess how many bye weeks there are? Uh, teams on buys, Dave. Zero. None. Everybody's playing, so no bye weeks. We got it all. Uh, we got some interesting games. We got some maybe not so interesting games. First up, uh, this is the the early game. We have UCLA Bruins. Technically on the road, but it's really not that far to USC Trojans. Yeah, so this one's on at twelve thirty on ABC. Why in God's name anyone wanted to put this on ABC is anyone's guess. Uh, USC or so UCLA traveling to the Coliseum to take on USC. Um, USC is favored by almost two touchdowns, thirteen and a half points. <sighs> I've got no feel for this one right now. Um, two weeks ago, I would have said UCLA covers pretty much anything. I probably would have taken them straight up. Um, I don't know what the Utah lo- loss does to the team. Um, whether it kind of wrecks them. I know there's a hangover effect when you're playing a team as good as you, as 
as physical as Utah. Um, actually, don't look it up. I don't know if that's statistically reliable as a it's just one of those sports writer narratives. I have no idea. But I could see them being a little bit like down after that and football's an emotional game. So um but I think USC is a better matchup for UCLA than Utah was. Um I think they'll be less inclined to want to go with their like big defensive tackles and they'll probably try to revert back to what the the defensive um uh setup they had prior to the Utah game. Um so I would anticipate them playing better defensively against USC. Um, the question is whether they can deal with those receivers one-on-one. I don't think they can. Um, and uh, the safety play against uh, Utah was certainly not, um, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you've got visions of Michael Pittman dancing in your head, um, imagine him going against Stephen Blaylock in this next game. Um, so, yeah, um, I think... I will take UCLA, if only because USC has not been very consistent this year, but it's a narrow thing for me. I think USC wins this. I think they win it by like 10. I think there's enough emotional factor that keeps the rivalry game close. UCLA was pretty dominant last year, even though they only won by like 7 or 8, but um, I thought it was a pretty dominant showing for them last year. So maybe Chip Kelly's got some good idea of how to attack a Clancy Pendergast defense, so... Yeah, I'll take UCLA. Don't feel great about it. All right. Um, I was going to pick UCLA as well because I usually don't pick uh, USC. USC is actually 6-5 and five against the spread this year, so that's not worked out great. Um, they've been a double-digit favorite against Fresno State and didn't cover. Uh, they were double-digit favorite against Arizona, and they covered. They, they beat them soundly. It was only a 10-point. Uh, they were double-digit favorite against Colorado, did not cover, and then this week. So... It's weird that they were only a double-digit favorite like three times so far. But I'm going to switch it up. I'll pick the Trojans. I mean, they look better uh, against Cal. UCLA. Kiss of death. Kiss of yeah. death right here, Trojan fans. Kiss of death. So I will take the Trojans, which I never do. But I need to catch up to Dave. We don't have a lot of time left. So if I can go opposite him on a, a on a game that I think is kind of 50-50, I'm going to do it. So I'll take in USC reluctantly. Um, I definitely could see not just UCLA keeping it close, but winning this game. Never, you know, you're never going to look as as bad as they looked against Utah. You can't just say, you know, the three games before UCLA showed something. You know, they just laid an egg against uh, the Utes on the road. I don't think you're going to have that that kind of environment at USC. Uh, I kind of think it's going to be closer, but you know, we'll see. Okay, we'll see what happens. All right, I think it was. Um, let me see if I can pull up the tweet. Uh, I tweeted out uh, on November 3rd, here's what the SP Plus would have as the lines for the upcoming three games for UCLA. UCLA plus 23 at Utah, UCLA plus 12 at USC, Cal at UCLA minus 7. Ryan responded, can I take those 12 points right now? And now, just a day over two weeks later, he's taken USC minus 13 and a half. I am. But I have to go. Cool. I kind of have to go against you. I thought you were going to pick USC, so now I'm just going against you. I'm 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 still thinking about it. Maybe I'll make a maybe I'll make a decision at twelve twenty three on Saturday. That's fine as long as you tweet it out. I got no problem with it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's one rivalry game. We got another one. Uh, they call this big game. The big game. Big game. We have California Golden Bears uh, taking on Stanford Cardinal. 
No, no article. It's just just big game. The big game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so this one's on uh, at one p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, Cal traveling to Stanford. Um, Stanford's favored by three points. Ooh. I don't know what to do with that because this one this one feels like Pick'em Central to me. Um, I would say, yeah, I really don't know what to do with this one. I think Cal's defense is not as good as it was last year, but I don't see anything really good at all about this Stanford team. Um, they're just kind of mediocre to bad across the board. Um, Cal's defense is still like the one thing in this game that's, I don't know, like halfway decent. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I'll take Cal. Um, I, I, I don't know if they win, but I don't think I don't think Stanford's beaten anyone by as many as three points. Come on, that's so, like yeah. Give me the Bears. Damn. Okay, so I was I wrote down for myself. I wrote Stanford. I mean, I wrote Cal, and I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna take uh, Stanford. I'm gonna go opposite Dave. Um, <laughs> Stanford's at home, maybe, and that's why I, I don't know. Um, if Chase Garbers doesn't play, uh, I mean, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Monster to do it. Just watching him in person, maybe that Washington State game was just an anomaly. But I, you know, I watched that one intently, and I'm like, oh my god, he looks like a real quarterback now. Um, but yeah, I'll go. I'll take the. Uh, I'll take the Cardinal. They're going to bounce back. Five hundred and four yards passing yeah they're gonna they're gonna come back against cal how many did washington state have against them uh 520 i think oh, okay cool cool yeah but they, and also like another i don't know like 115 rushing right but okay cool cool, cool. yeah cal couldn't do that in a whole at half a season so <laughs> to be fair all right um Let's move on. So next up, uh, we have, let's see. Oregon Ducks. They'll be on the road taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, this one's on at 430, also on ABC. Look at the Pac-12 getting on ABC twice. Uh, number six, Oregon traveling to Sun Devil Stadium take on Arizona State. Oregon is a two-touchdown favorite. Give me the Sun Devils. That is way too many points. Um, I think uh, Jaden Daniels has shown some poise this year. He's back. He's healthy. Um, I think he's going to be able to manage the game enough that Arizona State's not losing this by two touchdowns. Um, And also, like, Oregon's good, but I don't – I mean, ASU, as you said up top, they're not horrible. No. They've gotten kind of unlucky this year, but they're not horrible. So, yeah, I'll take I'll take ASU. I think this is more like a Oregon by a touchdown to 10 points. All right, I'm taking Oregon. Herm burned me last week because of the going for two. I can't pick you. Sorry, ASU. I'll go but with the Ducks. Here's the critical thing. Is Herm or is not or is Herm not back to winning or losing by a single score? Uh yeah. He had a blip. He had, he had a blip. blip. But five point loss to USC, one point loss to Oregon State. Yeah, he's back. He's back in the saddle. I I kind of feel like Oregon left points on the table last week, and they're gonna pick them up and uh, put them back on the table this week. So, or get them off the table this week. Is that, is that the way that goes? I don't know. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the Ducks. Fourteen. Ooh, not too bad. So I have, thought it was have, gonna be like have... closer to twenty. So. I don't feel so bad. We have yet to pick a game. 
together. I know. And if you want me to pick first, so I don't just go opposite you, everyone. No, no, this is great. I'm loving it. Um, Let's see. Okay, so next up, uh, we have Oregon State Beavers. And uh, they're going on the road to take on Washington State Cougars. Yeah, so this one's on at 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, Oregon State, traveling to Pullman to take on Washington State. Washington State is favored by 12 points. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of points. It might be just enough for me to pick Oregon State, maybe. Um, I think Washington State's playing, uh, well, they were playing this past game at a very high level offensively. Um, Oregon State's defense, I know this is going to come as a shock to people, but is probably better than Stanford's, at least at this point in the season. Oregon State's definitely made some strides in recent weeks, um, and they can certainly get a little bit more pressure uh, these days than Stanford is able to, um, but obviously still a little leaky, and Washington State's going to put up some yards. The question is whether Oregon State's offense is good enough to put up yards of its own on uh, Washington State's defense, which is bad. Not quite as bad as Oregon State's, but bad. Um, I think it could be a shootout. Um, I think this falls under the category of teams where uh, Oregon State can play well. I think the truly elite, there's a separation for Oregon State this year, which is like truly good teams, they're just not going to play with. Um, So that's like, uh, Washington, they really weren't in that game at all. I mean, the final score be damned. They were not in that game. And Utah, they were not in that game. And Washington State is like just on the cusp of being good, at least from like an advanced stats perspective. Yeah. So, mm, 12 points. Mm. Give me Washington State. I don't feel great about it, but I'll take them. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, I just, I kind of just feel like Washington State it's on the cusp. They were like, they should have a better record than they have. Like I said earlier, I feel like I know Oregon state's played better on the road a lot of the times, but this is one of those situations that I feel like, you know, Max Borgie guaranteed that win. I think they're going to play really well for some reason. So I think Washington state's going to go out there and get the W. So they played well at home last week against Stanford. I think they're gonna do the same thing against uh, Oregon state, but we'll see. Yeah. But, that's kind of where I... We'll see. I, I, I'm. This is one that I'm going to try to watch every minute of because I think it'll be a ton of fun. Yeah. Pac-12 Network game. Uh, all right. We still got two more. Next up, um, after a bye week, we have... Washington Huskies. <laughs> and uh, they're going to go on the road taking a, on another team that was on a bye week. Colorado Buffalo. Yes, yeah, so this one's on at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Washington traveling to Colorado uh, to take on the Buffs. Uh, Washington is a 14 and one half point favorite over the Buffs. Um, I almost don't think that's enough. Um, I'm going to take Washington. Um, Colorado, I think, obviously a nice win uh, in their last game against Stanford, but I think there's some pretty clearly broken parts of this team. Uh, I think offensively, Steven Montez just has not been right this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against this somewhat resurgent um, Washington front. And I think Montez is going to be under fire quite a bit in this game. Um, So offensively, I have a hard time seeing Colorado scoring a ton. And then um, defensively, I mean, Colorado has been just 
out and out bad all year. Um, I think this is definitively, yeah, it's definitively the worst um, defense in the Pac-12. So even with Washington's kind of self-imposed limitations offensively, um, I still see them scoring quite a bit against the Buffs. So I would take Washington up to minus 21, but very much so at the minus 14 and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Colorado in this one. Um, I feel like they're going to play, you know, it'll be close for a while and I'm just not sure I could see this situation happen late in a game where Washington's clearly better, but are they going to push that last score to go above, you know, maybe they're up by 13 at the time and they need to score one more time to kind of beat the spread. Um, now it's completely possible. Washington just comes out and boat races them, but I, for whatever reason, I just think this one's going to be close for a while. So Colorado keeps it close. And then Washington sort of has that self-limiting stuff going on for a bit and they don't, they don't get it over the hump of, uh, you know, to a three score game. So in their um, six wins this year, Washington has won by 33, 32, uh, 26, 14, 24, and 12. Yeah. Well, so they've also been double digit favorites four times in their split. So, okay. You know, we'll see. They beat, uh, I mean, they didn't cover against Cal. As a they lost to Cal as a double-digit favorite. Yeah, they uh, did cover against Hawaii. Um, they did not cover against Stanford. And the other one was, yeah, the Oregon State one, they barely covered that. That was 19-7. to 7. And if you watch that, Oregon State should have definitely been within 10 points of that one. So, I don't know, we'll see. Um, this is on the road. They didn't score a ton against Oregon State on the road a couple weeks ago. We'll see what they do. Coming off the bye, both teams got off a bye. Who knows? Uh, it's Pac-12, so it's kind of flipping the coin anyway. All right, and the last one. Um, this is uh, could help determine the, the winner of the Pac-12 South. You got Utah Utes. On the road, taking on Arizona Wildcats. So 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, number 7, Utah, traveling to Arizona. Utah is a 23-point favorite. Over the Wildcats. Uh, yeah, give me Utah. 23. <laughs> um, Honestly, like it could have been any number, and I'm still like, yep, give me the Utes. Yeah, so here's the thing. 23 points, when you think about it, is kind of a lot, but it's kind of not. So I'm going to take Utah as well. Arizona just looks so bad. You don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback position. I know it's on the road. Um, you just saw the dismantling of UCLA. Uh, that was a 21 and a half point spread. I think UCLA significantly better than Arizona home road. I don't care. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the Utes in this one as well. Yeah. And I mean, what, what Oregon just did to that Arizona offense is something that Utah very much could do to that Arizona offense. <sighs> yeah. So you, Arizona's it's not a good, it's, it's not a great stretch for Arizona when you got to play Oregon and Utah back to back. Um, not ideal. No, no. And that's where <laughs> they are. And for Arizona, you got to win this game to become bowl eligible. And, uh, they got to win two games. They got to win this game and ASU. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you got to win this, that, this one you have to, 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 to get there. There's a scenario that seems somewhat unlikely, but I think only one upset has to happen. John Wilner was pointing out there could only be five bowl eligible PAC 12 teams. Fitting. And and at my last count, I think there's 14 bowl tie-ins, so that's a lot less. than. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
speaking of Arizona specifically, uh, did you know this football team started the year four and one? Uh, so they had four victories with only one defeat. Yes, through five games, they were four and one. And how many wins do you think they have now after ten? Uh, I think they still have four. <laughs> still have four. Still have. And it could have beat Hawaii week week zero. You know. Well, and if you're bet if you're a betting man, you're betting on zero and two to end the season, right? You. Utah and then yeah. at ASU. Yeah. So there's a pretty good chance they finish they close this thing out 0 and 7. So how how hot is Kevin Sumlin's seat at the end of this year? Uh yeah, especially when you have an asset like Khalil Tate and you feel like you wasted that asset. You know what I mean? Like you you could- Yeah, with 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 two seasons of Khalil Tate, you go 4 and 8 this year and then what was it last year? Was it 5 and 7? It was, it was five and seven. Five and seven, yeah. 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 Oof. Ooh, boy. No bueno. All right. No um, bueno. Should we jump into some questions? Let's do. I got one from right. Brett. He says, Let's do, it. Uh, do eight and four USC and Washington make the AP top 25? Hey, guys, Utah fan and medical student here. Oh, that's cool, Brett. Uh, love the podcast. Do you think that if USC and Washington went out and finish eight and four, they could make the top 25? If so, does that significantly help Oregon slash Utah's college football playoff chances? Thanks from Brett. And both teams right now are receiving votes. Uh, USC, it would be in 33rd spot and uh, Washington would be in the 34th spot. So they're, you know, eight, nine spots out of the top 25 right now. Hmm. Yeah, I'm- I mean, I think I think they would be top twenty-five, um, and I think the the college football playoff rankings have been pretty good about setting themselves up for success. So they'll they'll sneak uh, they'll probably sneak a pack. I wouldn't be shocked if USC or Washington is just in it tomorrow when they come out with the rankings, just to give them some cover if and when an SEC team drops and they have to put Utah or Oregon up, just to give them that that other top twenty-five win. Um, they've been pretty good about doing that in the past. Like they, they've randomly put ACC teams at the tail end of the top 25 who have no business being there um, the last couple of years just to give Clemson a quality win. Um, so they're not above playing that political game. And I think if they're, if they're angling to put Utah or Oregon in, then yes, one of USC or Washington, or if not both will be in the AP top 25. Yeah, I think, or in the C- CFP top 25. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, USC only has one game left. And it's, you know, UCLA, it just there hasn't really been, USC's beat one team this year with a winning record, and that's Utah. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I think they both could sneak in at 8-4. and Because you're going to see some other teams just sort of drop out. So, I feel some of the teams at the bottom of the, the top 25 will drop out. And then if UNC and Washington are both sitting there 8-4, and four, there'll be a likely, you know, inclusion in there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and Washington, I mean – uh, they're six and four, but they they should be ranked. I mean, they're they had two they had back to back losses to these two great teams in the Pac twelve by four and then five. Um, you know, it's whatever. They had a couple of uglier losses earlier in the year, but they've been dominant in their wins. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I think Washington will close out and be in the top twenty five, maybe the top twenty by the end of the year. All right. Um. Um. Okay. So what's next? Not. 
not this password change, whatever the hell that is. Mark just, uh, Mark Mark just said, love the split format, guys. Keep up the good work. So thanks, Mark. We, that was only by necessity. That wasn't a... Uh... No, we, we stopped doing that after our first year, more or less. Um, all right, this is from Scobuffs, USC next coach. I always thought there was some smoke for the next USC coach to be Kyle Whittingham. Is that my imagination or is that something you could see happening? Not anymore. No, I don't think so at this point. Um, I, I think they're I think he's settled. Business. Yeah, I think Whittingham's in a great position. Um, I think you know they'll try to potentially try to get someone like Urban Meyer, but you know it'll probably be like a James Franklin, Matt Rule, PJ Fleck. You know, though his buyout's huge, or Matt Campbell. I think that'll be like kind of the the pool you look at first. I would I would guess, but. Yeah. Well, and then and then the eventual head coach Jack Del Rio. Yes, or Jack Del Rio. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that would be Kyle Whittingham would have been on that list with Jack Del Rio, but I think just bringing in an actual athletic director, you're going to do something different, and so that's where I think you got. Um, this is from uh, CJ Colleen, I believe. Disney princesses is the subject. Uh, did you notice that Solid Verbal just did a Disney princess show? The latest two's cruise is called I, Mo- I Am Moana. Uh, you should let them. Th- you got to sing it. You got to sing I, it. I, dude, I don't know what it is. I, I am Moana. Nice. You should let them know yeah. you have uh, college football, Disney princess crossover trademarked. Uh, no, they're friends of ours. I, I've listened to some of the two's cruise. I didn't listen to this last one. Um so I ha- I'll have to go back and listen to it. Have you? Did you hear that one, Dave? I will. I will have to. I will have to. I will have to listen to check whether they have infringed upon my um, extremely robust and uh, well formulated uh, copyright. Because they they made up. So they have like a Tuesday show now that's more just like bigger topics, I believe, like cultural football topics, and it's all like nautically themed. So is Moana? She's is she like an island person? She's an island person, right? Yeah, so Moana is, uh, she's a girl from the islands, um, uh, and she is, uh, at the beginning of the thing, her island is starting to um, suffer some, you know, some tough times. Uh, there's not many fish to catch, um, the, the, the fruit is not, you know, super robust on the island, so she's like, hey, why don't we take some boats and go find some new islands, and her dad's like, nah, let's not do that. And then she's like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And she sings this great song as she goes out past the breakers. And then uh, she meets up with a, um, a, uh, a Maui, who's essentially like a, a, a demigod. Um, and then they have a lot of adventures and eventually uh, restore um, Tafiti and, uh, and everything's great. So, yeah, it's all like college football. All right. Nice. Um, she had a, uh, no, wait, did she have another one? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she does. This is a, yeah. So, CJ, what to do with a late kickoff? Uh, Ryan's statement that he might go to the beach and play vo- and play volleyball or something on a mid-November Saturday day because of the late kick is the most USC statement ever. Also, unrelated, but you guys should start a subreddit for the show. Do you, yeah, dude, should we do one? I guess we could do one. I, I don't know. If, I mean, we joke about our listenership, and we do, I mean... The honest truth is that we get like I don't know five or six thousand probably yeah. something like that uh, per show, but I don't know if that's enough to spark a subreddit community. Um, I think it's still, I think we're still in the niche category. Um, so you'll see some for podcasts, but even like um, 
the shutdown full cast has its own subreddit community, but it's not necessarily well traveled. And I know they have, and they have a huge I mean, prob- prob- probably at least two times ours. Um, but I would guess it's in the like 20 to 30,000 an episode range. So yeah, get more listeners for us and then we'll start you a subreddit. Yeah, thanks CJ uh, for that. As far as like playing beach volleyball. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was coaching some volleyball Saturday morning and playing like this uh, coaches tournament. We, we coached throughout the year. It was like the last last class Saturday morning. I don't get to do a lot of them during the season because because of uh, football, but USC had a really late game. So I was like, oh, I can I can play in this tournament. And it was, it was fun. We had a good time. Um, cool. But it was, and it was beautiful outside. I don't know. What do you want to tell us? It? Like, it's not a USC thing. It's a Southern California thing. Like, it's just nice outside. So you can go play volleyball on Saturday. You don't have to, you know, be inside in the cold or anything. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Gunner wrote in David Shaw to USC. Just curious. Uh, do your th- is that a threat? <laughs> it's a, it was a question mark. Maybe I didn't say it correctly. Uh, no, just, no, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you saw what he did in this last game, right? Right, uh, Gunner. Yeah. Just curious. Do you th- uh, think David Shaw would leave Stanford? Uh, and second, why wouldn't USC pursue him? He could win and give the program a clean image thanks and go Cougs gunner um he's in a i don't know if he would leave stanford maybe the nfl at some point yeah he's in a perfect spot i would never see him at a usc um nfl or stanford is all i could see like that's you know i i think that's where he would end up uh, if if he goes anywhere he, he does a great job with the uh you know when he's on the nfl doing draft stuff or combine stuff um, but I, yeah, I don't see him going to another Pac-12 school at this point. I think he's Stanford or Boston College. It was my guess. Yeah, and it, the trend line there is really interesting. We brought it up last week, but um, five straight years of kind of declining performance for him up at Stanford. I don't know if he's. I mean, I think if USC got him, it would be interesting. Um, I think they could go back to kind of traditional USC football. Um, they would go back to traditional USC football and the talent he can get at USC would be different and better than the talent he got at Stanford. So maybe it would work. Um, but I, I can't imagine that's a top choice for anybody in, at USC. No, he's not trending in the right direction for that. So no, definitely. Where Kyle Whittingham um, is, but David Shaw is not. No. And Kyle Whittingham's also, I mean, he's getting old. All right. Uh, this is J N N Y Utah D at Res. Uh, Utah just completed their game against UCLA. Here is a crazy stat: It's now been 14 quarters since an opponent TD was scored at Res Rice Eccles Stadium. Wow! For everyone out there, um, holy crap, man! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's that's that that fits what I saw on uh, on Saturday. They're they're playing good football right now, so. Uh... Props to the Utes. Going to make a run. Oh, you know what you get to do now? Hitler Day. Uh, Galatians 6-1. I pulled this up. I'll look it up. I got it right here. Uh, doing good to all. This is a Bible verse. Uh, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. I like you're it. Religious? You're not a religious person, right? Or no? Are you talking to yeah, me? Yeah. No, no. God, no. <laughs> God. I like God. No. God. No. <laughs> no. 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 See, I was, I, no, no, I was no, brought no. up Catholic. People thought I always thought I was Jewish because my last name's Abraham, but I was 
I was raised. I was like an altar boy. I was Catholic. I mean, I still go to Catholic mass sometimes, but not very often. I'm 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 culturally Catholic, um, so I got all the guilt, but none of the uh, religion to go along nice. with it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so this is from Hitler Day, Ryan. We need to talk about David. Lately, he's been showing a totally uncharacteristic and discomforting sense <laughs> of sincere investment in UCLA. Is that true, David? Have you? <laughs> I, I think I made the mistake of getting like a little bit optimistic about UCLA's chances, um, but that's already that's been burned out of me yet again. Hitler yeah. Day. I mean, we're 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 in good shape again. Yeah. He says he's treating a win over Herm Edwards like an accomplishment. He's talking about gap schemes as though he knows what they are, <laughs> and even <laughs> seems to believe the Bruins' defense might be competently coached. This is just giving Chip Kelly a chance to repeat the cycle of abuse. Of our boy. Uh, you've known him for years. Do you think this loss is enough to restore his empty-eyed cynicism, or do we need to stage an intervention? I think we're in good shape. Yeah, I think you're, you're all right. Any concerns, I think, are, are dashed. I think you're okay. And it was the lightest sort of optimism, which was, hey, they look like they actually are like kind of okay now. Um, I think they're going to be bad again next year to start the year, but they're, they're, they might be okay for the final three games. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's gone. Hitler, I don't know about the uh, the UCLA basketball situation. He does seem a little ep- optimistic about the Mick Cronin era. So if that comes crashing down, you might need to have some kind of intervention. Is that fair? Look, it, it'll be no different from the last, like, <laughs> I don't know, forever of my UCLA fandom. Do you realize that I've only really been paying attention to UCLA sports since they got very bad? <laughs> Like <laughs> since like ninety eight ninety nine, it's basically just been just one travesty after another the entire way through. Yeah. I think I would be uncomfortable if it was too good for too long. Like like three years of Ben Howland, that was fine. You can have three years of good, but then it's got to get back to being really bad. Yeah, three years of Jim Mora being pretty good, that was great. Then it's got to get back to being really bad. Otherwise, I would just be too uncomfortable all the time. Like if you had like a Tyus Edney, you know, in your life where you know. Like your adult life, where they you know well, win a championship, I, like what that that would just change everything, would it not? Well, here's the thing: I, I was I was a huge baseball fan, right, up until the Angels won the 2002 World Series. <laughs> I was a huge Angels fan, and then I literally stopped watching baseball after they won that World Series. I watched maybe so like there was a year I think it was like 99 or 2000 where I watched every single game that was televised. And this was back when not every single game was televised, so it's not that huge of an accomplishment, but it was still like. 140 games of baseball. Yeah. 140 baseball games as like a really cool 15 year old. And then it's like, I was just like, oh, okay, well, they won. All right. Well, I don't have to watch that anymore. And then I just stopped, dead stopped. I think if UCLA, maybe that's the promise I make to Chip Kelly and all, you know, UCLA coaches. If you guys just win big just one time, I'll stop watching. <laughs> I promise. I will. Your interest will have waned. (laughs) My interest will go away. It's fine. Awesome. All right. So he said, uh, Colorado's on a bye. Let's uh, assess Mel Tucker with some uh, remove. Uh, Does 2019 count as, quote, year zero? On the one hand, Colorado has a losing record in 12 of the past 13 seasons. On the other, he inherited a team that had won the South just two years ago and came with a lot of talented players and a senior quarterback. Um, I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm, I'm giving Mel a couple years here. I'm not, you know, I, I you just want to see the direction he's going. He's changed a lot of things, 
do you have a, do you have an issue with what's going on, Dave? Or um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the a lot of talented players. Yeah. I think he had a senior QB and and some good receivers, um, but I don't know that defense seems particularly under talented. So I'm I'm inclined to give him the year zero. What would concern me just a little bit is that the defense has not improved at all over the course of the year. In fact, you could make an argument it's gotten worse as the year has gone on. Um, so that would be something of an issue. Um, but, I mean, they really didn't return much at all yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I this was going to be a bad year. Um, I know I think Hithloday was on the train where he thought, you know, they returned some guys and they should have been better this year. Um, but I don't. I wasn't seeing it from the beginning of the year. I know Ryan really wasn't seeing it. Um, and uh, Steven Montez, unfortunately, just didn't progress as a player in any of his four yeah. years, uh, let alone this one under Mel Tucker. So uh, could they have done a little bit more? Maybe they you know, bring in a, a really dynamic offensive coordinator and turn Steven Montez into a better player, um, you know, or at least have him perform better in like a, I don't know, some up-tempo different spread sort of offense, maybe. But I, I really... Uh, I would give him the year zero. Um, it's just it's too hard to know. I think the one concern for me again is is that defense just not showing much life this year. Yeah, and I think if, if Hitler words this a little differently, you know, he's a wordsmith. But if he said in the in that sentence somewhere, taking over a team that had lost their last seven games, would that change your mind? So they did lose their last seven games last year. So you know, I don't know what the the expectations weren't super high. They have some. High-level talent, but it's just not a lot of depth. So I, I'll give them the year zero. Yeah, and I don't think they've quit on Tucker um, the way they quit on Mike McIntyre yeah. last year. Fair. Two, uh, what do you boys make of his staff? I thought there were a few smart hires, but he also retained three guys and brought in three more with either no or lousy coaching resumes. Does that reek of not having a free hand in hiring? I, I wouldn't say it reeks in that, but I think when you're a first-time head coach, there's you know there's a feeling out period too. I don't think you can just go out and get the best staff ever. Not not everyone wants to work for a rookie head coach. So I I, I don't I, I mean I, I think that's a reach to say it's because he didn't have uh, uh, free free will and who he wanted to bring in. Yeah, um, I, I I think it would be great to talk to Munster Tiger in the off season about it. Um, it might have been a salary thing. Like, it might have just been a budget thing. Um, I, I don't know what their pool for assistance was. Um, one of the new guys they brought on, Jay Johnson, I haven't been impressed with him at all, um, the offensive coordinator. Um, I, I really haven't been impressed with their play calling, and it seems um, disjointed at times. So I, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, but it would be interesting to talk to Monster Tiger about it and see if salary pool implications came into it at all. Yeah. And three, his roster stat- strategy is to really beef up the lines to play smash-mouth football on offense and defense. Do you think that's a winning plan for the Buffs, or does sharing a division with Utah, USC, UCLA mean he'll never win uh, high-end battles for that type of player, uh, and so it's a dead end? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's those are areas where development is is more important than who you bring in. So I, I think you know we've seen Utah do that. I mean, you bring in guys that, uh, might be projects, but by year two, you've developed them into really good, you know, offensive or defensive linemen. So I, I think they can do that. You can recruit against anybody because you're bringing in guys that those other schools probably wouldn't even be looking at, and then you develop them. Yeah, it's all about, but it's about finding the pool. I mean, Utah has found a real niche where they're recruiting the islands really, really well, um, and they get 
a bunch of those dudes who are just monsters on the defensive line every year. Um, and you aren't probably going to win too many battles against USC or, or for California kids, Washington, Oregon, or UCLA, if it ever gets its act together. So it's just finding that pool. Um, can you find it in Texas? Um, can you find it in the Midwest? Where can you recruit to find those guys? Um, because yeah, you don't need, I mean, Offensive line and defensive line, to an extent, are development positions, but you still you still need to be bringing in some high quality guys. It can't just all be two star projects or whatever. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, when we heard he was hired, I had some real skepticism. Um, I, I've we've been on the bandwagon the last couple of years with Arizona, with Oregon State, and now with Colorado, um, where maybe it would have made sense to go something with go with something that's like a differentiator um where you're not just trying to play a traditional game um when you can't recruit the same talent as a lot of the teams that are going to be doing that same sort of thing um i don't know if colorado needed to go triple option um but that would have been a step that would have been something to do um make you tough to prepare for i thought arizona could have justified doing that as well um and you know two out of three (laughs) i would say um Jonathan Smith is proving that uh, you can do something a little bit more straightforward and still win at an under-talented place. But, um, yeah, I don't. I, I really don't know how Tucker's going to work out, but I probably, if I was in Colorado's shoes, I would have tried to do something, you know, find somebody who's got a, a unique offense and, and do that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Tucker, I think he'll be able to recruit as well as you can at Colorado these days. I just don't know what their recruiting base is right now. Yeah. All right, thanks, Hithlade. That was great. All right, uh, this is from Harry. Only five Pac-12 bowl-eligible teams. Doing the math, it's not unlikely the Pac-12 will have only five bowl-eligible teams. How bad is that for the Pac-12 reputation? Could five and could five to seven teams still go to a five and seven teams still go to a bowl in that scenario? Uh, thanks, Harry's my former coworker, uh, electrical engineer. Hey, yeah, we're b- cool. back in the engineering days. Um, no, is it? What is the thing now with the five and seven could go? Like, I don't think that's. I thought they got rid of that, didn't they? Or no? I think they have. A, I think there's a Pac-12 rule against it now. Yeah. Um, so so no, I don't think so, so. I'll go through them quick, and we can kind of. So right now, four teams are eligible: Oregon, Utah, USC, and Washington. Um, going from the bottom to the top for Arizona, four and six, they would have to beat Utah and ASU. So that's not not happening. That's not likely. Um, Colorado is four and six. They would have to be Washington and Utah. So that's not happening. So those two are out, right? Right. Okay. Stanford is four and six. Uh, they're probably out too. Cause they're not going to beat Notre Dame. So even if they beat Cal, right. uh, they're probably not going to beat Notre Dame. So they would need to upset. We're talking so far. The first, the bottom three teams would have to have a major upset of double digit, you know, at least more than that to, go to a bowl game. So we'll just say that those aren't happening. Right. Cal um, would is five and five. So it has to beat Stanford or UCLA. Uh, so give them like a little bit under a 50, 50 chance, something like right. that. Right. So I think if you're talking the, the five bowl scenario, how that works out is Stanford doesn't go because they beat Cal and lose to Notre Dame and they end up five and seven. And then Cal uh, loses to Stanford and then loses to UCLA and they end up five and seven. So I think that's and UCLA loses to USC and they end up five and seven. Yeah, and then Arizona State 
Uh, they're five. They're making a bowl game. They're going to make a bowl because they well they have Arizona, so they'll probably they they won't beat Oregon, but they'll beat Arizona. But I guess Arizona could beat Arizona State and knock them out too. Like that's a that's a big upset. And then Washington State's also five and five. Um, they'd have to beat Oregon State or Washington. Um, UCLA is four and six, so they have to beat USC and Cal. Uh, to make a bowl. So, yeah. So, unlikely. Yeah. That seems somewhat unlikely. And then Oregon State at five and five would have to beat Washington State or Oregon. So, most likely it's the Washington State game. Um, interesting. Yeah. So, it's, it's possible that only five teams make it, but it could be, it's a pretty big muddled mess. Um, I think there's only one major upset that has to happen for that scenario, according to Wilner. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Dave? It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. It's totally, totally nuts. Um, but I don't, I mean, I think the, the Pac-12 has two elite or near elite teams this year. Yeah. So that's, that's a switch two good from ones. recent years. Two pretty good ones. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the, the bottom is, is very mediocre. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not great. Uh, um, next. Yeah. Mark. Is it you? Uh, it's it's you. me. I know I'm getting the, the short end today. Okay, Mark uh, from beautiful Tacoma, Washington. He lost hope in Herm. I'm sorry that you lost Oh, no, Mark. I'm with you, though, Mark, because he went for two. Hello, Ryan David. With Herm Edwards, oh, when Herm Edwards was hired, to be Arizona State's football coach after the 2017 season, I was skeptical of the decision for the same reasons as everyone else. I remember being at his opening press conference as a member of the student media the overall bluster slash loudness of his speech and demeanor was strange. It did not seem like the start of some great era of ASU football, but I became a Herm supporter during the 2018 season, even though ASU had the same 7-5 record as the year before. The Sun Devils played real defense for the first time in years, weren't getting blown out anymore, and were even in the mix for the Pac-12 South title. It seemed like a solid first year for the coaching staff, and after a good recruiting cycle in the offseason, uh, mainly snagging Daniels, and a 501 start to 2019, I thought Herm was working out as a hire. Oh boy, I was wrong about that. The Sun Devils are now on a four-game losing streak, and it seems like this coaching staff is not elevating the program. I'm fine with the loss to Utah, but losing three straight against UCLA, USC, and Oregon State is awful. The defense has started out bad in every one of those games, which makes me think either the team isn't prepared or that teams have figured out Danny Gonzalez's scheme. Either way, it ain't great. The offense has some talent, but the play calling has been ins- inconsistent, and Herm's game management has been suspect, and not just on the two-point conversion decision, and he put the rationale for it uh, was next-level stupid. I was losing faith in previous weeks, but this loss to the Beavers was the last straw. Oh, man, uh, we're losing uh, Mark. Mark's not uh, Mark's not into this. So it feels like Herm and company will not be able to elevate the program. And I know the recruiting has been better. And I know things can get turned around next season with more experience, but I'm not crossing my fingers as an ASU fan. I'm sick of going six and six, seven and five every year. It shouldn't come, come down to hopefully beating a crappy U of a team in the territorial cup to get to six and six. And that's where it's headed. I know ASU isn't some elite program, but it should be better. Uh, it should be better for this. Um, we're over halfway through year two of Herm and it's producing the same results at the end of the CTG era. Uh, I'm sure that's not what, uh, athletic director Ray Anderson envisioned when he hired his buddy for the quote, new leadership model. Thanks. And sorry for the long email, Mark from 
beautiful Tacoma, Washington. And he says, P.S. Glasses Ref was the vice principal principal at the K through eight school I went to as a kid. He was fine, although he was always most strict about enforcing the school's hair length policy, which at the time I thought was fitting since he's bald. Awesome, Mark. Wow. There was no question in there, but I respect I respect the rant. <laughs> there wasn't. Um, oh, my God. I read all that. And there was no question marks. <laughs> there was no question. None. There was no point for you to pause. It was just a pure rant. I loved it. It was beautiful, Mark. Um, I feel you. I hear you. Uh, I would point out the USC loss. If Jaden Daniels plays, is that a loss? Yeah. I, I mean, know. they got a shot in that one. But it was it was just yeah. a rough start to allow – 28 points in that first quarter. I mean, that was, totally. that was a bad quarter. Yeah, and if you, but com- complaints three, to the, the defense, the I think, are just fine, you know? The, the defense is still quite a bit better than it was last year. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I get the complaints, and I, I don't think he's, he's setting the world on fire for sure. No. All right, this is from Justin. Utes dominance. Dear Ryan and Dave, I wonder how the committee will vote this week after seeing absolute dominance from both Utah and Oregon. True or false, Utah has both the defense and offense to give Oregon their only other loss of the season. Also, if Huntley and Moss are both not playing all season, Utah is probably 7-3 and three or 6-4. and four. Or is their depth good enough that they would still be 9-1? and one? Thanks, love the pod, Justin. All right, uh, yeah, they totally can beat Oregon. I completely agree. Uh, I don't think they would be 9-1 and one without those two guys. Um, at this point, but those two, there was two special players. I mean, you, it's hard to take two special players off any team and they're going to have issues. Yeah, no, if you took Huntley and Moss, then it's what Shelly and, um, who's the other guy? Uh, what's his name? I'm blank. What's the other guy's name? You got anything for me? Uh, he's going to leave me here hanging. I'm going to leave you hanging. He's going to crush me like this. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking until I actually continue clicking and actually pull this up. So just that's just what You're I'm talking do. about. The other running back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Henry Cole. Okay. Henry Cole. He was that really explosive player, but also Devin Brumfield. Um, but no, Zach Moss is a huge differentiator, and Tyler Huntley is better than any other quarterback on this roster by quite a bit. So yeah, you take him away, they might be 500 right now. He's probably the best quarterback in the Pac-12 right now. So that's significant. You know. Yeah. That's a significant loss. So. Uh, but yeah, they they totally can hang with with Oregon. I think it'd be a great game. I mean, I, I want to see that. I want to see both teams with one loss play in the Pac-12 championship. I want the Pac-12 championship to mean something, not one team just stomping on the other, but like two one-loss teams. Maybe it's only an outside shot at the playoff, but the fact that it could be talked about would be great. Like that would give some significance to the Friday night game. So for the Pac-12, I think that's the best um, case scenario. Yep. This is uh, KC, looks like. Uh, Stanford is the subject. Hey, guys, KC from Tacoma. Is that another Tacoma? Nice. A lot of Tacoma. Yeah, and and fans of other, you know, not like Cougar, uh, um, Seattle fans, uh, Washington fans. Uh, or maybe he is. I don't know. I thought it was, I was, Yeah, he's a Cougar. Oh, I'm assuming he was a Stanford guy, but that's just the subject. Happy to report uh, that at the Cougar game, I saw two of the Stanford fans so quite the travel turnout. Well, so, I mean, th- if you got more than half your fan base going to an away game, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. That's pretty impressive. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Casey. He said, okay, so he does have a question. This is good. Uh, I felt frustrated as a Coug watching some of the of Shaw's decisions. Uh, is he getting worse? And are those Stanford fans frustrated as well? Also, kudos to Pac-12 refs staying on brand, refing terribly, 
with a Pac-12 exec in attendance. Keep up the wonderful podcast and go Cougs, uh, KC. Thanks, KC. I'm sorry. I assumed he was a Stanford fan because he put Stanford in there, but it was at Stanford game. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I, I have to imagine Stanford fans are getting frustrated. I know there was a tone of frustration with RJ's tweets um, during the game. So um, he's, I, I think, tangentially, he, he counts as like one of the four because um, he follows the team. Um, so that's more or less fandom. Um, so at least 25% of their fan base, I think, is is pretty cheesed off with David Shaw's decision-making right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, all right. This is Ravenous Ute. Uh, Dave and Ryan, when are you guys going to learn not to pick against Utah? Utah is 6-1 and one against the spread in conference, with the one being the inexplicable loss to USC. Yeah. Um, we Let's see. I've not done a lot of Utah picking, so picked them to cover. We both picked them to cover against BYU. I picked them to cover against NIU. They did not. Uh, we both picked Idaho state and Idaho state covered. We both picked them against USC. Nothing happened. We both picked Washington state. That didn't happen. So yeah, the, we picked them against Cal and that worked. And then the Washington game, I took Washington, you took Utah and uh, you got that one right. And we took UCLA last week, but we both picked Utah this week. So, um, they have been very good against, uh, the number. So yeah. Great. It's not, you know, we don't hate you if we don't pick you. We're just trying to get this right. You know, the spread means that there's a and we're doing such and we're doing such a good job of it. Yeah, and we're it's like night and day from the other years, which is crazy, but whatever. Okay, so all right, do do you want to know how many weeks above five hundred I've been? How many? Three. Wow, I've had three weeks where I've been above five hundred. I've had more than that, but my record is still worse. Um, you've had four, you've had four. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, okay. Last year. Uh, oh wait, did I screw that up? I think I wrote those on the wrong side. Um, I I mixed those up. So last year you were 56, 40 and three. And right now you're 35, 37 and one. So it's like pretty different. I was 59, 37 and three and I'm 32, 40. I already got three more losses than I had all of last year. So that's pretty bad. Not great. Not great at all. Um, I think that's it. I think that is it. I think we are done. I think we did a streamlined show. It was pretty good. Like it was svelte hour and 40, little over hour and 40. And we had questions. We had six games to preview and five to recap. Like that's, that's gotta be a record for us. I thought it was an incredible showing from us. I think maybe we kind of, we probably skipped some of the questions from last week. So maybe we discourage people from writing in again or something. Maybe that was it. So it's sort of like, I think we cleared out our question, our batch of questions and then we just started fresh and because we had, a yeah, game. that was, that was a good thing that we did. Yeah. Cause I don't, we promised a three hour show. I don't know if I could have delivered a three hour show today. Yeah, Dave's feeling a little uh, under the weather. Yeah. But Dave and I will be talking. We're going to do a uh, a podcast later in the week. Well, on the USC side, at least, to uh, preview. Do you guys have, uh, for the broadcast, do you get people on from the opposing media or no? That would require some ambition, Ryan, oh, uh, okay. on my part. Um, so for the most part, I talk to either myself or Tracy. Gotcha. Well, for we, we yeah. started doing like a pregame radio show, so I kind of needed a segment for that. So then I just, I just record... 
that can only be like 12 minutes. So I'll usually record like 20 with like, I'll do 20 with you or 15 with you. And I'll just put that up as a separate podcast and I'll answer some questions at the end. So I kind of double use it. So, you know, get two content items out of it instead of just one. So that's beautiful. Yeah, we try do what we can. Um, all right. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. Uh, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Enjoy uh, the what should be a very glorious uh, week 13, couple rivalry games. See if uh, Utah and Oregon can keep their stretch going to meet up in the Pac-12 championship game with just one loss. But hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.